We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to yet another edition of the Friday free-for-all mailbag. Best day of the week. Best day of the week. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Ryan Roberts. We're here. We're going to take you all the way through, answer all your questions. You guys are leading the show. And But this, Ryan, this one's a, a little bit different, uh, the, this particular mailbag. Uh, there was some some breaking news that took place earlier today, right around 11 o'clock. I'm sitting there scrolling through Twitter, and I'm like, ah! Oh, Sweet. Notre Dame's working hard, and uh, they are being rewarded for that hard work uh, with the with their recruiting class. So I will hand it over to you to kind of explain what that breaking news was and then how we're going to kind of approach this Friday free-for-all mailbag just a little bit differently this week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I know I know the chat obviously is buzzing and the message board's been buzzing, Twitter's been buzzing, because this is one that, for people that haven't seen yet, we got a – Notre Dame got a commitment from Logan Saldate, who is a very talented wide receiver out of Salinas, California, Palma High School – was 50-something receptions, over 700 yards last year, averaged over 10 yards per rush as well. It was kind of a dynamic inside-out wide receiver for Palma last year. 
and was recently committed to your Oregon States as a wide receiver, obviously in the 2024 class, was a player that I went back and listened to his commitment video because he committed on Memorial Day. He chose Oregon State over offers from Washington, Cal, and several others. Some really good schools. Oklahoma State, I believe, was in that conversation as well. And Notre Dame was able to make this flip happen. And obviously where we have been in Notre Dame, there's been a, a revolving question over the last couple weeks. How is Notre Dame going to finish this wide receiver class? Who are they going to target? Who's their flavor? What type of player are they looking for? Well, they found right. it in Logan Saldata. And, and, and I don't want to, Vince, I don't want to tell you all about Logan's game because we'll be able to Brian, – Brian Driscoll is working on a film breakdown that it's going to be on YouTube and all that great stuff. We're going to have several articles about Logan yep. over the next couple of days. But I would love for the Irish Breakdown family – to meet Logan Saldate now, who is behind stage and ready to come into the show to become official member of the Notre Dame family. So let's bring Logan onto the show. Everybody give him a warm welcome. We are now looking at the newest member of the Notre Dame 2024 recruiting class, joining one of the top classes in the cycle and the nation. Logan, congratulations, man. How's it feel? Thank you. It feels amazing. It's, I'm lost for words. My whole family's excited. Just a perfect day. Well, and I appreciate you so much, Logan, because you gave me some of your time yesterday, even though you are being hit up by everyone and anyone that kind of wants the backstory on this from Oregon State commits now to Notre Dame commits. Obviously, you made this decision, but this has been a very interesting process. So could you take us through a little bit of the timeline and how you first got to really know Notre Dame and how this has kind of trended to this point? All right. So basically throughout my whole entire recruiting process I never really heard from Notre Dame um and back when I uh played with Cooper Flanagan who is now at Notre Dame as a tight end um I had one offer I think it was a cow and I, I remember talking to him I was like man Notre Dame would be a dream like this such a big school super prestigious um but yeah and then my recruiting process went on uh later on committed to Oregon State a few weeks back and I thought my recruiting process was done until Coach Bo followed me on Instagram. And even then, I was like, it's just a follow. Like, I'm not going to think much of it. Like, I'm already locked in with Oregon State. Um, but then a few days later, we get we get it rolling a little bit. I get to uh, talk with Coach Stuckey, um, Coach Parker. And it was, they were definitely interested, but – it really took a turn when they had me send a, send videos of my route running the whole entire route tree, uh, verified my speed with a 40 yard dash. And then after the, after seeing that, they were like, this is our guy. Like we need him in our offense. So yeah, that's, well, that's basically how it went down. And, and let me give a little background to that Logan, because it's fascinating. Obviously Notre Dame had did a, I mean, they're a national brand, right? So they're doing a national search. They have a few wide receivers that are taking a look at, but you're the guy that really popped up to them and said, this is this is the guy that ultimately ends up in the class. You mentioned a connection you have to the program already. Obviously, you know Cooper Flanagan. First question, because I got to know Cooper very well. Have you gotten a text from Cooper today? A little bit of a congratulations from Coop. And oh, second yeah. question, uh, you got that one already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And second question is for you. What is it about Notre Dame? Right. Because there's a lot of schools that have recruited you. There's a lot of schools that I'm sure have been trying to flip you to continue to recruit you. 
Why is Notre Dame the spot that was able to make this happen? Why were they the pick? Um, I mean, it's just a, a level of, above of all the other schools. I mean, not only in football, but on the education side. And it definitely, it definitely, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy uh, like decision. Um, it took a lot of family talks. So basically, my parents were like my parents from a parent's perspective you want your kid to go to Notre Dame like it's almost a dream and if we if we passed up on this um opportunity we feel like we we would have kicked ourselves in the butts later on so yeah I don't know Notre Dame is just special to us I guess like I haven't even seen the seen the campus um nor met the coaches in person but just talking to them for the few weeks that I did it feels like I'm already part of the family, which I am. <laughs> hey, and Logan, there's been a lot of talk about Coach Stuckey and, and how he does on the recruiting trail and the relationships that he builds. It's been a shorter relationship, obviously, with you, but what kind of stuck out to you with him and then maybe Coach Parker as well? You said you kind of started a relationship with both of those guys over the last few weeks. Yeah, I like I liked it because, I mean – all the other coaches that I talk to from other schools, it's always football, 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 right, on the phone. I get on the phone with Coach Stuck and Parker. They're like, okay, yeah, we like your film. Like, you're obviously a great player or else we wouldn't be talking to you. Um, so let's get to know each other, like family, like religion, all of that stuff. So it wasn't always just football. It was more um, getting to know each other and, like, just hobbies and just normal talks, which made me feel really good about it. Well, Logan, and I know you already mentioned it, but you'll be visiting, obviously, on an official basis for the Tennessee State game, first uh, first home game of the season for Notre Dame. Want to hear about what your expectations are? Because usually, you know, obviously, usually guys take the visit first, then they commit, but you obviously yeah. couldn't hold up on that, right? You <laughs> wanted to be a part of the family. Yeah. What are your expectations being able to go there? Because I know that you've been to Michigan State before because you have a couple family members, including your brother, who is an athlete at Michigan State already, a wrestler. But take me through just your expectations to seeing Notre Dame and what you are just most excited about in that visit. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect, to be honest. Like, I've heard a lot about Notre Dame. Cooper's told me almost everything about it, the pros and the cons. So I'm just going to go over there uh, with a great mindset. And I know they're going to have a weight room. Every Everybody's going to have a weight, weight room. Like, I don't know. It's just gonna be, it's just gonna be a fun experience. I mean, I know the football team's gonna be good. Uh, definitely, definitely gonna be a good crowd. So, I'm excited for that. Did you appreciate the the look into the program from Cooper? Both because you said positives and negatives, right? Pros and cons. I mean, yeah. you know, it 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 seems like in recruiting, a lot of times they're just pushing the pros, pushing the <laughs> pros. But to kind of have that other side of the coin as well, was that helpful? To you, since you've never been on campus, obviously, and I, I assume you trust his his opinion and and being able to see kind of both sides of it. Definitely, definitely, that was a big part of it. And it wasn't even only Cooper; like the coaches were being super straight up. Like it's going to be tough your freshman year; everyone's going to struggle. The school is extremely hard at Notre Dame. Like you're going to have to be locked in, and that's those are some things that you need to hear. Like it's not always going to be good. It, you're going to have the ups right. and downs. So. Definitely. It was definitely good to hear. Well, Logan, I need to ask about your parents, man, because I know your family's obviously probably super excited about this whole situation. 
I already have heard a little bit about your emotions. You know, I've heard the word surreal that you've said to be yesterday and just a great moment. But what's your family like today, man, getting to enjoy this type of moment with you? I mean, lost for words again. Like, my dad is working and my mom is working. So <laughs> I'll get to see them uh, later on in the day. But they already called me, uh, congrat- congratulated me and everything. But I do live with my grandparents, too. Um, I already know they're super happy. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and have some breakfast with them later. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I, we have, we're going to have a film breakdown of you later on the, on the YouTube channel from our buddy, Brian Driscoll over here at Irish breakdown. But I have actually just gotten off the phone a couple hours ago with Jeff Carnazzo, who is your head coach at Palma and a couple of the cool little tidbits that he told me, because he said that the minute he saw you, he knew you were going to be a guy, like you were going to be mm-hmm. that type of player. But he mentioned a couple things about your game that he really loves. He mentioned best blocker I've ever been around. He takes pride in it. And he also mentioned the best, this is a quote, the best route runner I've ever seen on the high school level. That's a direct quote from Coach Carnazzo. Yes, so hi- highlight a little bit of your <laughs> what you feel like makes you a special football player, man. Like what is Notre Dame ultimately getting at you? Um, unselfish player, to be honest. Like a receiver needs to block. You know, you never know if the running back's going to flip the flip the field and come back your way. So you always have to be ready for that. But on the receiver standpoint, route running, um, I feel like a lot of people are going to compare me to Rico, my dog, Flores, but because um, I know he has great routes. But I think, like, my routes, top tier. So that's what I that's what I think the best part of my game is, to be honest. And my speed, I, I put up a ver- verified speed, 10-8. Um, and I'm just super athletic. I know how to be in the moment and just m- move off the tackles and just play the game. Well, and you were the the second leading long jumper in the state this year in the state of California with over 24 foot and a half yeah. inch long jump. Is that something you take seriously, Logan, or is that just kind of a, more of a testament to your athleticism? I, I def, I mean, I might have to take it seriously now, but <laughs> that was like my first year. I was just like, man, I'm gonna long jump, you know. And then I ended up going to state. I wanted to take first, obviously, but I'll save that for next year. That's incredible. I, I, I wish that there was uh, – there's not many people out there that just could just mess around and jump 24 <laughs> feet in the long jump. So a lot to look forward to, to say the least, man. My last question before I see if Vince has anything for you, Logan, because we want to be very cognizant of your time, is yes. I want to hear where the competitiveness comes from you, man, as far as a little bit of your background. Because I watch your film – and you could very easily just rest on your athleticism because you're very athletic, right? You run good routes, you're athletic. But I hear about the blocking. I see on film you playing outside at 5'11", 185 pounds, and winning at the catch point, run, winning 50-50 balls. Where does that competitiveness come from in your game? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. But I will say, so I, had a, I have an older cousin that played at San Jose State, and he's been training me like my whole entire life and he was teaching me college level stuff when I was what in like sixth grade and like from now. So I really already knew like blocking is important. Um, like the, the college coaches look at that when they're, when they're recruiting. So just, I think he definitely played a big part in that. Um, just teaching me what's, what's actually important. And it's not always just when you get the ball. Uh, you got to run your routes 100% even when you're not getting the ball. So that's what I would say. And just, like, 
growing up with my brother or in a wrestling family, um, watching him compete and never backing down to any challenges, um, working out when nobody's watching. Like, it's just little things like that that just build up in your mind. And yeah. What, what do you have as we let you get out of here, Logan? What do you have planned the rest of the day? You mentioned parents were at work. You'll be able to see them later, kind of get, get the emotions out and everything. What does the rest of the day look for you, man? How are you going to celebrate? Man, I'm just going to set my phone down for a little bit, have some family <laughs> time. Uh, but I think we're going to go to a nice steakhouse. So nice. that should be good. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Hey, man, congratulations. I know your folks are at work right now bragging about their boy and, and what his future is <laughs> going to look like. And, you know, all their future trips to South Bend to see you ball out in Notre Dame Stadium, man. We're super excited for you, Logan. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Logan. And trust me, man, I won't be bothering you today. No more text messages for me. Right? You go chill out. <laughs> You're all good. Hi, brother. Congratulations. We'll talk soon, okay? Sounds good. All right, everybody. That was Logan Saldate committing to the University of Notre Dame from Oregon State, doing his thing. And uh, great pickup from Notre Dame, for Notre Dame based on – you know, everything that was going on in their recruiting class and, and the decommitment, and, and they didn't waste any time. They, they found their guy, and their guy loves Notre Dame. And if you couldn't tell from that interview, he loves himself some Irish. And I, I have a feeling, just based on his personality and the film that I've watched, yeah. the Irish are going to love him as well. So this, this sounds like a great match, and I, I could not be more excited for him and for the 24 class as well. Well, Vince, I mean, I really, I, I wasn't expecting, you know, just kind of talking to Brian about everything after Isaiah Canyon commit, decommitted from Notre Dame. I wasn't expecting them to be in a rush. And I don't think right. they were in a rush. I just think they saw this kid. They saw what he could bring to the table. They found out about him. They found out all the personal stuff. And they're just like, this is our guy. Like, what are yeah. we waiting for? Right. So, right. yes, I think it's a tremendous fit for Notre Dame. I'll be very honest. Like, there's some kids at times that Notre Dame recruits that I watch and I'm just like, Okay, I saw, kind of see it, but not fully. I, I saw this kid immediately. I'm like, yeah, that kid's good. And then you see the track times, and you're like, yeah, yeah, he can play football at the University of Notre Dame. There's no doubt. Fascinating backstory. Only been on the radar a few weeks. Yeah. And he told me that he never really had a dream school per se, but he's like, uh, basically, his coach said the only team that I think he would have flipped for was the University of Notre Dame. So just kind That's of awesome. seeing this whole situation, man, I think that this was a uh, great pickup for the University of Notre Dame. There's no doubt well, about it. I will bring up the question that I'm sure other people are going to have because they always do. I yes. believe I saw he's a three star. <laughs> Love Is it. he underrated? Does it matter? All of those questions that people are going to ask who just focus on the recruiting rankings and all of those things, Ryan. Well, you know, me and me and Brian are both uh, very opinionated, right? So we actually <laughs> did. Well, I'm asking you. Well, we didn't, we didn't talk about Logan at all as far as what, like we talked about him a little bit as far as like what we see on film, but we didn't say like, what's the grade, what's the star rating, that type of thing. And I saw Brian had put out that he thinks that this is a top 250 caliber player in the country, a four-star recruit. And I agree completely. I do. Yeah. Again, okay. I also I also think the fit makes a lot of sense, Vince. I mean, the one thing that we talk about when Isaiah Canyon was committed to the class was you had three tall receivers that were more outside receivers, though. Like Micah Gilbert can do some stuff in the slot. Cam Williams can do some stuff in the slot at times. But they are traditionally more outside receivers. The one thing I love about Logan Saldate leading into uh, fitting into this class is you still have Cam Williams at six one and a half outside receiver. You still have Micah Gilbert as a six two 
boundary receiver that can play some slot. But then you have this young man at 5'11", 185. He can play inside very easily. Right. So I think he fits exceptionally well. So, yes, I think that he is underrated. I don't think the star ranking matters as much as people act like it does at times because on the field, I see a four-star kid. And that's all I really care about at the moment. That's all I care and about, too. clearly Notre Dame agrees. So that's all that matters <laughs> right now. Absolutely. So once again, that was that was Logan Saldate, uh, Notre Dame's newest commitment to the 24 class. Notre Dame didn't waste any time filling that spot up, and I think it's a great fit. And that was uh, that was a fun interview. So if you did, yes. if you're just joining us now, make sure you check that out. Check out that interview a little bit later on, and uh, and see what what a great personality and what a great kid is joining this class because uh, that was the first time I've spoken with him, and I, I was I was really impressed. I was really impressed yes. with him and. Uh, He's genuine. I mean, his his excitement and his love for Notre Dame is obviously genuine, and that speaks to the the power of Notre Dame that he has never stepped foot on campus, and yes. yet he's like, "Yep, this is the place for me, no doubt about it." Awesome note too, as we wrap this up, Vince, and get into the mailbag. Awesome note about him is that Coach Carnazzo, who I'll have a coach piece on him either tonight or tomorrow morning. He has been coaching at Palma for 24 years, which is a good school out there, by the way. They play like the Sarahs of the world, the Salinas of the world. It's okay. it's good level of football. It's not quite the modern day, you know, realm, but it's still very good football. In 24 years, there was only one football player who has ever played varsity as a freshman, Vince. You want to guess who that is? Logan. That's Logan Saldate, <laughs> the only one. From the moment he said he saw him, he's like, that kid's a varsity football player. That's wow. going to be a Division One football player one day. So, yes, this is a kid that comes from a good program that's put out guys like Drew Dahlman, who was a starting center at Stanford for several years, now playing with the Atlanta Falcons. They put out a lot of good football players, and I think Logan's the next in that line. Awesome. So that is the commitment of Logan Saldate. We'll have a lot more on that over the next few days, obviously. we've had uh, We're going to have at least – Four articles on him today, one from his perspective, obviously the commit piece, commit impact, and then his coach piece that will be coming out as well. So hope you all enjoy the conversation with Logan. A little bit of a breakdown, and we'll have more on him over the next couple of days. But we're going to get into mailbag next. We already have a bunch of mailbag questions starred, so please continue to throw those in the chat for me and Vince. MB in the front would be very much appreciated. But that's going to do it for this commitment section of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Vince, mailback time? We ready? Let's do it, man. It's it's Friday. We got we to gotta answer some questions. It's Friday. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it, man. So let's start us off here. Michael Pate. All right, Michael Pate says, do you think NIL has had an overall net positive or negative for the Notre Dame football program? I think I think that there could I think it could be a little bit of both. I know yeah. that people obviously once I mean they always want the the absolutes, right, Vince? Of like it's one side or the other. But right. I'm a big believer in there's usually some middle grounds to these types of conversations. I think that it's had some net negatives in the sense that I think that you would have had a better, I think you would have had a better chance with a couple football players, right? Like if if that wasn't a conversation for. For Dante Moore, for instance, last year, then Dante Moore might end up at Notre Dame. Keon Keeley might, eh, Keon Keeley probably goes down to Alabama still, but there's Peyton sure. Bowens of the world. Like some of these kids that don't end up at Notre Dame, I think they would have a better chance of being able to get them to come. But I also think that one, that does weed out the guys that are just in it for the wrong reasons. Sure. I think that that is a positive. And I think the other net positive is that it has allowed Notre Dame to shine for some kids in the instance of – you just heard Logan Soldate talk about it. 
they talk about the pros and the cons of Notre Dame, right? And I think being transparent and being real is how you grow a real foundation to a program. So I think there's some net positives. I think there's some net net negatives to what NIL has done, but I don't think it's an overwhelming one way or the the other. I think that there's somewhere in between on this, Michael, in my opinion. Well, and it's almost like you have to split NIL into two different parts. So you've got the, what people call like the, the entrance fee, right? Like the, the, the blank checks, right? And we know Notre Dame is not going to get involved with that. And so if you want to call that a negative, okay, that's fine but they have chosen to not be a part of that. The other side of that is the NIL opportunities that the current players are receiving. And that kind of flies under the radar a little bit because there's all these opportunities that these guys are having. Now I'm not saying they're all pulling in six or seven figures or something crazy like that, but they are having opportunities to go out in the community and, and, and do some things. And there's, there's other NIL opportunities that these guys are participating in that just aren't on the forefront of the media. And so we don't know about it, man. I'll tell you what, when I was in college, if I had an opportunity to make a couple thousand bucks here, a couple thousand bucks there, like I'd have felt like a rich man, you know, you know what I mean? And, and and I, I get where everybody's coming from, but every scholarship player on the roster has had an opportunity at Notre Dame to earn some money. And I think in that vein, I think they're doing it right. But that isn't publicized a ton. You know what I mean? And so I, I think if you would have asked the players, I think that I, the majority of them are probably pretty happy, the ones that are on the roster. They're having all these opportunities. It's just what gets the publicity is the is the blank check stuff. And yeah. Notre Dame's not going to do that. And they're never going to do that, at least not in the overt way. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it which, just depends which... on the take you have, I guess. Which I don't really consider NIL, to be honest, Vince, right? Exactly. Like, pay-for-play is a very separate thing from NIL, yes. to your point. And, and it I, shouldn't and there be. Are, yeah. yeah. I, I really I really think that, I mean, Notre Dame still needs to improve, obviously, the NIL pitch and the selling point and being more vocal about what they're doing to help the kids. There's no doubt about that. But I really don't think there's a overlying, you know – we're going to, you know, we can't, we can't fathom staying in the conversation with the big boys because we can't give them this X, Y, or Z type of thing. Right. So right. I, I just, I just don't think that it, I think it's a little bit overblown. Uh, yeah, shout out real quick before we get to the next question, Vince, we had chase satellite Saldate, who of course is a wrestler at Michigan state who hopped in the chat and said, Logan going to go crazy in the slot. I agree, chase. I think it's a great fit. You have Micah Gilbert outside in the class. You have Cam Williams on the outside in the class. And then you have a guy like Logan working in the slot. I think it's a tremendous fit yeah. just from a fit perspective. Like it just makes total sense to me. Yep. That's awesome. And, and congratulations to your little brother, Chase. Like that's, this is exciting for your family, man. Congratulations to the whole family too, yeah. man. They got two kids that have gone, well, <laughs> one that's at Michigan State, one that's graduated from Michigan State, and one that's going to go to the University of Notre Dame. Saldate family's doing pretty well. For Seriously, family. sign me up for that kind of success. Like that, that, yeah. I'm all about it. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's awesome for that family. No doubt. All right, so thank you so, thank you so much for that, Michael, as we continue through in the podcast. It's a great way to start because I think it's a really important conversation to have. We had Irish Gordian and not. Yeah, it says, what is the over-under on flips Notre Dame is able to make if they make it to the playoff this year? It's a, such a tough question. I, I think that for me, you, I mean, you could you could, you could, could tell me that Notre Dame is going to have some kids that 
are more interested in Notre Dame, right? So the potential for flip happens, Irish Gordy, not sure. I just think, but like today we're at 22 commits in the class, right? Notre Dame's only going to take about 25, 26 kids in this class. So we're winding down here. So unless there is, unless we get to a point where there's a couple of decommits in the class or something like that, I just don't think the need's going to be there, right? I think that the impacts, and I know Brian said this in the past and I agree with them. The impact on Notre Dame having a really good team in 2025 is um, in, uh, in 2023, excuse me, is the 2025 recruiting class. I think that that's sure. where you start seeing those waves. More of those high priority kids, the, the the guys that love the rankings, right? Like those high four star, five star caliber players that have some interest in Notre Dame. If they see on field success, that's where the impact truly has. So I wouldn't, I don't think that it's going to be too much in the 2024 class. Sure. I think it's going to be more 2025. I mean, there's a chance you might get yeah. one or two, but. Notre Dame, I think, is pretty happy with where, as we sit here on July 21st, I think they're pretty happy with their 24 class. I mean, yeah. could there be a guy here or a guy there that, you know, if they decided to flip, Notre Dame would take them? I'm sure there are. And, I, and I'm sure that you could think of a couple of names where that would be the case, right? Yeah. But you're right. I think it's going to be the 25 class. And overall, from the from the picture that's been drawn for me by you and Brian, the 25 class has the potential to be absolutely electric. It's a deeper class overall. Notre Dame is already out in front on a lot of elite guys. Like the the 25 class could be an impact class from what it sounds like. And you're going to the playoff in 23, those 25 kids are going to be getting in line, you know, and, and Notre Dame is going to have their pick of the litter. It sounds like. It's incredible, honestly, Vince, because for all the negativity that there is surrounding, you know, some recruiting efforts at times, the 2025 class, man, it's hard not to get really excited about yeah. what Notre Dame's doing early on. And again, if they follow that up with a really good season this year, Notre Dame's 2025 class has a chance to be special. I'll put it out there. It has right. a chance to be a very, very special class. It's about now backing it up on the field. Yep. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, a question now from Domer Grizz. What's up, Domer? Nice. Who's the better college player, Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin? Martin is having the better NFL career so far but I wouldn't have expected that. Now there's a four or five year difference between these two and Quentin Nelson has made four out of five pro bowls. So I feel like, yes, Zach Martin has had a more of a longevity. He's the best. He's technically, all right. What was the, the last thing that came out? He's the best guard in the NFL right now. And he's holding out for more money. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's amazing. He's taking that 99 overall and he's like, I'm not going to OTAs. So I get it. But that's probably the, that's probably the first Notre Dame player to ever be a 99 overall in Adam, right? That may be actually now that's that you mention it. Like, who else would it, it even be? I mean, because oh, Brian yeah. Young was too late for Madden, right? So I don't know if he would even be a 99 in his day. Like, that's a good point. Tim Brown, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That's man. a very good point. So I, I would say, uh, as, as an answer to this question, the first part, yeah. I would say Quentin Nelson was the better college player. Yes. And Zach Martin, yes, he's had a better NFL career, but Nelson's career isn't over by any stretch of the imagination. So he had a down year last year. There's no doubt about it. The the line in in Indy struggled all year, and he was part of that. I'd be the first one to admit it. But he made the Pro Bowl his first four years. So I think he's doing okay for himself as well. But Quentin Nelson is the answer for me. Yes, I would agree 100%. Quentin Nelson is is one of the more dominant football players in general that I've ever seen, not just from Notre Dame State. Like right. He is 
one of the best players of the, this past generation, like this generation that we're working through right here. I mean, he was fantastic. Zach Martin was obviously also a very good football player. There's a reason yeah. that he went top 20 in the NFL draft. He dominated the senior bowl. He had a decorated Notre Dame career. Quentin Nelson was the better college player though. So far, Zach Martin has been the better NFL player, but to your points, Quentin Nelson has a chance to get it turned around. He had a dominant start to his career, a mm-hmm. little bit of a downtrot this past year. Can he get it back on track and start trending back upward? Very possible. But I think that for me, it's pretty easy. Quentin Nelson is the better college player, in my opinion. Yeah, and I would say that that Zach's career really took off because he was a tackle at Notre Dame, and then he moved yes. inside in the NFL and just really kind of found his sweet spot. And and he was playing tackle because that's what they needed him to do at Notre Dame. I mean, yeah. could he be a successful tackle in the NFL? Yeah, I think he could be. Yeah, but. He could be. They moved him inside because that's the sweet spot for Zach Martin. And he has just absolutely exploded from that point forward. So, you know, he's doing his thing, man. And this is this is one of those deals where, like, uh, you're good to go with either one if, if you want somebody on your team. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You want both of them, right? Like absolutely. one at left guard, oh one gosh. at right guard. Like. Can you imagine what that would be like? I don't care who my two tackles in my center are. Like, we'll be okay. Oh man, it's like that. It's like that offensive line that had Ronnie Stanley and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. It's like, yeah, right. it's pretty good, man. It's decent. Yeah. It's like that, that would be a very good NFL offensive line. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had another question from Michael Pates. All right. If you could pick two to three to reach their full potential for Notre Dame this season, who would they be? Which players, if they play their best, could have the biggest impact on Notre Dame winning a championship? It's a great question, Michael. Great. You're going to need more than two or three. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, if you're going to win a championship, so I will say that part. I, I think for me, I, I, maybe we'll just go one by one here, Vince, because there was okay. one guy, and I'm just trying to figure out the other two in my head. I think Riley Mills is one of those guys okay. this year. I do because I think that the interior defensive line is going to be good. Right? It's going to be good. But is it going to be a difference making defensive line? That's my biggest question. I expect the edge rushers to do enough from the Jordan Batellos and the, and the transfer from Ohio state, whose name has escaped me for whatever John Baptiste and yeah. some of the other rotational players to be a really good defensive line potentially. But I saw my question marks about who was the impact size inside. And we've heard a lot of great things about Riley Mills this off season now up to right around 300 pounds. We've seen flashes of really good, impressive athleticism for a guy his size but can he be a consistent snap to snap base player and I think that for me if Riley takes a big step and he is a dude in 2023 that alters the outlook of Notre Dame's defense in my opinion so Riley Mills would be one for me for sure I'll go to the other side of the ball and I will say Tobias because the the way I'm looking at it is okay if everybody plays basically the same way they played last year or just takes that natural step forward, you know, that kind of a thing. Then I think who, then who needs to be like, take that extra step. I think that's Tobias. I think Tobias needs to be, and I've argued this throughout the week that he needs to be that alpha wide receiver. And I I still think that Thomas is going to end up with more receptions, right? Cause they're going to move him around. I mean, he's going to be kind of a go-to player on third down. Like he's going to be, maybe a bit of a safety net kind of a guy, but he's still going to make plays. Tobias needs to be that guy that stretches the field. He's that home run hitter. He's he's going to be the guy that leads the team in yards. You know, he's going to be the guy that leads the team in average yards per catch. You know, he's going to lead the team in touchdowns. Like he needs to be the alpha in that regard. And so if you've got a guy like Tobias that can do that, and then you've got, you know, JT doing his thing, and then whoever in the slot, 
stepping up, whether it's Tyree, whether it's Great House, whatever. I think you're going to be really good to go. And I, I was thinking I was going to say Sam Hartman, but I'm not. Because if he just repeats what he did at Wake Forest last year, this <laughs> offense is going to be great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if he takes a step forward, they're going to be even better, obviously. Right. But I don't think he needs to for this team yes. to compete at a high level. He just needs to repeat what he's done in the past. I agree with you. I, I think that you need Sam Hartman to be at least as good as he has been at Wake Forest of his last two years. If he is, right. it's the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in several years. I mean, right. so Absolutely. you're a chance. Yes. I, I, wide receiver is definitely one, Vince. Tobias would be the easy one for me. You need someone to become an alpha in that room, whether that mm-hmm. is Jane Thomas becoming an 80-catch 900 a thousand yard guy or it's Tobias being the big play threat that can just threaten a defense everywhere a sneaky guy that I think actually needs to take a step forward this year is Audrick Estime I think he needs to take a big step because Audrick was really good last year 900 something yards 5.9 yards a carry but there is going to be more of an emphasis on him being the guy and we talked about it last year there were some games where it seemed like he wore down a little bit when he was a little too many carries maybe in the fourth quarter and some fumbles happened in the middle of the season I think that he, he needs to take a step forward because although I think Jeremiah Love's going to be a dude, although I am really excited to see Jadarian Price and Jabron mm-hmm. Payne and and Devin Ford and all these cats, there's still a lot of uncertainty behind him. I mean, your leading rusher at the running back position from last season for Notre Dame had two carries for five yards in Jabron Payne. That's all you have coming back outside of Audric. So I think Audric needs to show that he could be the guy. Sure. And then if he shows that he could be the guy fully – then it's like, oh, now we can also sprinkle in all these great backs and really have a great you know, duo, trio of runners. And I think that's where the offense takes the next level is if Audra could be that guy, not just a good player, but a great player potentially. Sure. Let's see. I'm going to go to the linebacker position. And I wanted to say Marist because I think – I'm not line. going to, but I want to say Marist because if, if Jack, J.D., and Marist – play to the level that they are capable of playing this linebacking core is going to be fantastic and then you can rotate in Ziegler and you can rotate yep. in Sneed you know and, and that's a great linebacker rotation but I'm not going to say Mary I'm going to say Jalen Sneed and and, and 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 here's why because could he be a starter maybe could he be that key rotational guy that can come in play a couple different positions yeah and you're going to need that like you need guys like that if you're going to be a championship level, whatever, like fill in the blank, right? And so Brian and I were talking the other day about Sneed being that guy like in the nickel package or in the dime package. And he comes in, rushes the passer, drops into coverage like that, that Bo Bauer kind of role, right? If he can excel in that role against the teams that are going to be throwing the ball all over the place, right? Like, USC potentially Clemson like when he's out there and he's the guy in that package if he can excel in that position that's going to make this defense that much better because I think JD is going to take a step forward I think he's gonna have the best year of his career I think Jack's going to take a step he's going to be just fine I mean Marist is a complete question mark I think we can all you know agree with that but if 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 Sneed can take that step and and be hit his ceiling this year as a He's in a third-year guy, right? Or is he a second-year no. guy? He's a third-year guy. Second year. Second year. Okay. No. If he can yeah. take that step up as a second-year guy in the rotation, doing his thing, just balling out in what he's asked to do, I think that could be really, really key to this defense. 
I think I think the will linebacker position is a great answer though, Vince. Yeah. I don't even think you even need to just say Maris. Like you yes. need that position to just be a lot better. I mean, think about it for years because I know JD was a was a will his first year and he had a pretty good season, but there was obviously some inconsistencies there. For the most part, the last few years of Will have not been good. I mean, Maris this past year, Shane Simon, obviously that experiment at Will was not very good a few years ago. So right. the Will linebacker position needs to be better. I'll have another sneaky one because I, I think that some people probably don't agree with the Archic Estimate one, but I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball for my last pick. Cam Hart is one Ooh. that I would point to and okay. say take a step forward. Because, yes, if Cam Hart is as good as he was last year, you're still going to have a dynamic cornerback duo. Sure. But – if Cam can get near to a ceiling, then you are really offensively going to have to rethink your strategy of how you're going to attack this team because you're going to have Benjamin Morrison. If Cam Hart plays up to his up to his uh, talent level, then I think that you're going to have to try to rethink things and change offensively how you're going to attack Notre Dame defense. So Cam Hart is one where I, I expect him to have a big step forward, and I'm hoping that he puts together a healthy season, man, because I think he's still really, really talented. I, but I still, I really think that we have kind of undervalued Cam a little bit in the chat and by myself at times as well, of that Cam is a good player. Everybody knows that. But Cam's sure. not as good as he can be. He still well, has a absolutely. lot more upside, in my opinion. I think he can he, still be a star in the college level. Absolutely, so, and he still, came back for a reason. Like yes. he, he knows. He knows what's up, and he knows that he's got to make a name for himself more so than what he already has. Like, we – we know who Cam Hart is. We know, I think we know what he can be, but he yes. hasn't done that on a consistent basis. Now, what, and I'm not saying it's because of him per se. I mean, he's had injuries that he's had to deal with, and, and you know, a yeah. lot of adversity has come his way. But if he can get through the entire season healthy across from Benjamin Morrison, what we think he's going to be able to do, yeah, he takes that to another level. He's that's going to be a special cornerback tandem for sure. Yeah, Th- that could be a conversation of. Top five cornerback duo in college football to maybe even the best cornerback duo in college football. Yeah, like that absolutely. could be the difference. My last one, since they asked right. for, oh, I, I just want to get my last one. Yeah. They get, they asked for three. I'm going to get my third That's, one. I'm sorry, I cut you off. That's my fault. Go You're good, brother. You're good, uh, Rocco Spindler. If if he reaches his ceiling, I think this offensive line is going to be special. I really do. Now, if Andrew Kristofik is the guy at right guard. I have no qualms with who the offensive line is going to be and what they're going to be able to do, but they're going to be better if Rocco can prove that he can be as consistent as Andrew, but then his ceiling is higher. It just is. And that right side is not a liability. Not I shouldn't say liability because that's not the right word. That right side becomes a strength, yeah. right? Because I think the left side is going to be a strength with Billy Stroud and, and, and Joe all and, you know, when Zeke Carell's over there, like that's going to be a strength on the left side. The right side will be fine if, if Andrew is in there. They'll be fine, right? If Rocco reaches his potential, he reaches his ceiling. The right side is now something that you can use to your advantage. And that offensive line that takes that big step forward, they'll be able to run the ball when they want. They'll be able to throw the ball when they want. And I, I, this, this offensive line will be special. I, I'm talking if Rocco wins that position – by doing all the right things, I'm talking Joe Moore Award finalist type offensive line. Absolutely. I can see that. I can see that. Because I, I think I think for me, the, the cool thing about Rocco is if Rocco does take that step, and by all accounts, Vince, from spring to summer, he's continuing his momentum to hopefully yeah. be able to be in that conversation. But Rocco's one of those guys where I look at the offensive linemen that you know are going to kind of be in the conversation, right? The 
Joe Waltz, Blake Fisher at a lower weight. Zeke Carell is kind of an undersized center. A couple of those guys are more finesse players. And not sure. finesse in a negative way. It's just Joe Waltz a finesse player. It's not a negative, though, because he's a left tackle. I expect him to be a little bit more finesse. Sure. But is there a guy on the offensive line? I think Billy Shroud could be in this conversation as well as far as being bully ball guys. Sure. Right? On, sure. on a fourth and two, where are you running the football? You're running behind Rocco Spindler, potentially, or behind Billy Shroud. Like, who's the guy – that asserts his will in the run game. Exactly. I don't think you really have one right now because I'm interested to see, because I know Blake, Blake Fisher's a really dominant run blocker at times, but he is down now some significant weight this offseason. I think he's trying to get a little more flexible, maybe a little bit more foot quickness, that type of thing. Is he going to be the same bully ball type of kid that he has been at times? I'm not sure, but I think Rocco could be that guy. So we shall see. Yeah. That's a great question though. Really good question awesome. there. Have ND football nerd. All right. Using your current projection of the starting offensive line in 23, how do they stack up athletically to Notre Dame lines over the past decade? Will the strength of the O-line be balanced run or pass setting? So using current projection of the offensive line. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough question. I mean, the, the projection of the offensive line as of right now, what I foresee it being is Joe Waltz, Billy Shroud, Zeke Carell, and then a battle between Kristoffic and Spindler at the other guard spot, and then Blake Fisher, right? How they stick up athletically to Notre Dame line over the past decade. So we're obviously going back to 2013. So there's been a lot of good offensive lines in there in that time, mm-hmm. right? The most athletic line that I think I've seen, Vince, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is – I mean, that Quentin Nelson offensive line with Ronnie sure. Stanley and Mike McClinchy, like that is a sure. really, really athletic offensive line, right? Like really athletic. I don't know if it's quite to that level of athletic. I will say that it's mm-hmm. going to be one He's of the biggest yet. offensive lines that they've had. I mean, across the board, if Rocco Spindler is a starting guard, you're going to have 318, 300 plus with Billy Shrouth. I think uh, – I think Zeke's weight was down to about 300 this offseason. Spindler's 325. And then you have uh, Blake Fisher was 327 last year. He's listed at 310. I'm sure he'll probably be more in the 315-plus range somewhere in that ballpark. So that's going to be a really big offensive line. So I think it'll be one of the more talented. I think it'll be one of the longer offensive lines that they've had at Notre Dame over the last decade. But I don't know if I would say that it's one of the top one to two most athletic. I mean, they've had some really good ones over the last few years. Yeah. Athletic isn't the word that I would use to describe this line. They (laughs) could very well be very, 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 very good. But athletic isn't what the word that I would use. You know what I mean? I just, that, that that's not what stands out to me when I see these guys play. So uh, I'm not saying they're bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think, like I said, I just two minutes ago, I just said that that five could potentially be a Joe Moore award finalist you know if Rocco right. meets his ceiling this year so I think they're going to be really really good and you know not all lines are created equal with the way that they get things done you know what I mean and I think I think if it if it is Rocco I feel like they're going to be pretty balanced because they're just going to be nasty in the run game and then the pass game they're going to be fine like they'll, they'll be just fine if it's if, if it's Andrew, I feel like they're going to be a little bit more like 65, 55 or whatever the 65, 45, excuse me. I got to do math with gym teacher math. There. Um, <laughs> 110% the, the, of the plays. I love yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> so 
they would be a little bit more skewed to the pass than the run uh, yeah. because I think that Andrew's a little bit more of a finesse guard than Rocco is. Right, I think Rocco tackle recruit yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so Rocco brings a little bit more to the run game, and it makes them a little bit more balanced. So, you know, either way, they're going to be fine. They're going to be just if, fine. If if Rocco Spindler is a starting guard opposite of Billy Shroud, I think that'll be one of the better run blocking units yeah. they've had in a long time. I yes. do because I look at Blake Fisher as long as his weight is in a good spot, as long as his core is still strong, he's going to be a very plus run blocker. Billy Shroud, they expect to be a very good run blocker. Rocco Spindler, 325 pounds. I also expect Zeke Corral to take a nice step forward after a, a good season, but I expect him to be a better player. And then Joe Walt isn't big mover in the run game, but he's a really good positional blocker. He gets to the right spots and he creates movement when he needs to create movement. So I think if run blocking, it's going to be one of the better units that they've had in a long time. Yeah, me too. All right, and then we had a next question. Remember, MB in front of the questions makes it a little easier to decipher. Yes, it does. We had this one from Domer Grizz. All right, would Paul Horning be a dude in today's game like he was back in his day? What position would he play now? I know he played seemingly every position. Wow, we're we're getting into the deep time a, machine on option, this one. He was an option quarterback, wasn't he, when he was a Heisman <sighs> Trophy winner? I, I haven't mean, watched a lot of film on Paul Horning, uh, to yes. be perfectly honest with you. So he was, so he was. A, I remember he was an option quarterback and won the Heisman, and then he went to Green Bay and then became a tailback, obviously. I mean, I I, I would say that he Good would job. probably be a – he was like 6'2", 215 pounds, I think, 210 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. So, I mean, he was – he would be a running back or maybe a safety? Maybe a rover? Yeah. I don't know. He played Something some like defense, that. didn't he? I want to say. It's possible. I don't know. I I've never seen Paul Horning play. I mean he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be quarterback at the University of Notre Dame right now. And I don't he watch Packer games. So because yes. the Packers suck. No, I'm just kidding. The, the, <laughs> so the, I don't, gold, the golden, golden boy. boy. Yes, golden the golden boys. boys. The gold boys. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like the the problem with is that's such a different time period than it is today. I mean, it's a completely different. So it's hard to say. Hey Brian, what's up? Can I help you guys out with this one a little bit before I go back out of here? Yeah, please do. Uh, so in 1956, Paul Horning led the Notre Dame team in passing, rushing, scoring, kickoff, and punt returns, and punting. He also led the team in breakups and was second in interceptions and tackles. Yep, played in the secondary. There you go. A little, okay. different, little different era. Also <laughs> played on a really bad team the year he won the Heisman. It sounds like he a like, Pop Warner kid. Like he just three games. Both sides yeah. of the ball. Like He's yeah. always out on the field. Yeah. I, I can't believe you guys haven't gone on YouTube and watched Paul Horning film. I, <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen I'm, I'm being sarcastic at Notre Dame. Busy watching no. uh, Logan Saldate's film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think running back would in today's game, I think Ryan, you nailed it. I think yeah. running back would, would be the would be Maybe the decision. But yeah. Maybe that size. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I, if he's gonna at six if he's as big as you say he was, that's probably rover size, most likely the way the way he played. But yeah. He was, I think, running back would be the big old running back in a in a one back downhill Aldrich estimate type guy. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And That's then he great. would punt Vince because I knew you love punters. I love punters. So punters are the are the best. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I so I wanted to. I just like Paul oh, Horning. Seriously, That's what I we're saw your face down today? there. You're like what? Paul oh, Horning? What are we talking? About? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, next week. Hey, so what would Leon Hart have played at Notre Dame, uh-huh. Ryan, if uh, if he was around today? Like, I don't know. Older. <laughs> and here's the question too, Ryan is like when you look at it, everybody says, "Well, how would this guy play?" But if he grew, if he played today, he'd either a be um, like a hundred, like ninety years old, 
right? If he was yes. still around, unfortunately, yes. Paul Horning passed in 2020. But it would be if he grew up in this era. Well, if he was 6'2", 215 back then, I mean, oh, is yeah, he more I'm Drake Bowen now? now? Yeah, right? That would be my question. Is he going to look more like Drake Bowen now than, than a running back? I think that would be the other thing that you'd look at and say if he had modern medicine and strength conditioning with the athlete he was, I think Drake Bowen, you know, six foot two, 230 pound, really athletic middle linebacker or will that's linebacker. Awesome. That's the other thing to consider, you know, as far so because if he was six two two fifteen, what are the odds he would still be six two two fifteen? Right, exactly. Nowadays. Because that right? six two two fifteen doesn't look like six two two fifteen of today. Yeah. <laughs> either. It's a, little, it's a little bit more natural. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's like when you look at Babe Ruth's size, it's like six two two twenty five. I'm like six two two twenty five does not look like that anymore, sir. But he <laughs> but he was huge. I mean, if you go back and look, he was so much bigger than everybody else right, around exactly. him. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and now it's like 225 in baseball now looks like Mike Trout, who looks like he could play running back. And then yes. in the NFL with those big old thick thighs and how he looks athletically. So, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting one. I was like, oh, I got to jump in for this one. But this, I always say when questions like this, Vince, this is when I wish that we were doing a show with Lou. Yeah, you know, when, when a question like this pops up, say, I wish you were doing a show with Lou. Uh, but, um, yeah, anyway, great stuff so far, guys. I just wanted to, to jump in there and say that when I'm cutting up the – the breakdown of Logan Saltate. Great interview, by the way, guys. Had a chance to listen to that. Very, very. It's well easy done. when you've got a good top, or when you've got a good person giving you something in in return. I will say yeah, that. True. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't just yeah. Yep. Nope. Well, that was going to be the thing I wanted to say too. Is like, it's just you always see hear these kids and you oh Notre Dame's going after this kid and every time you talk to him you're like yep okay I get it like almost mm-hmm. every single time it's yeah. like yep you understand why this kid committed to Notre Dame without having ever taken a visit. You're like, yep. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. You know, because it's just, they're just different. You know, that it really is that Notre Dame kid. I used to think it was just kind of that excuse you'd make for a kid that, you know, maybe didn't want to go anywhere else. Cause nobody else Bama didn't want him. But then you, you start to feel like, Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. That kid's yeah. that way. So anyway, great job guys. I'm going to get back to work, but I just wanted to jump in and say hi. Good and, to see you, Brian. And talk about Paul Horning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh man, that just gave me a, a flashback there, Vince, because I started thinking about bad interviews I've had in the past. And there was a former uh, wide receiver who went in the second round who I probably asked 20, 20 questions and it lasted six minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's as good as that interview went. <laughs> yeah, those are the worst because you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, you try to find that thing that's going to bring more out of them and it just doesn't. Like there's nothing that you can come up with that's going to bring more out of them. And it's like, okay, uh, I, we're done. It's, it's good. We're cool. So surprising that NFL receiver has not been very good in the NFL. Who would have thought? Maybe the, <laughs> it's not personable enough. Anyway, Josh Bumpo, the motivational business banker, is up next. What do you think the national perception of this Notre Dame team in 23 is if you have Michael Mayer on it? Does it change it a lot, a little, or not at all? Love the mailback, and you guys go Irish. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting question, Josh. I, I, I would say that there would be a little bit more I would say maybe people would have slightly higher expectation for Sam Hartman because they would say he has a no more of a known commodity at sure, the best catcher. That makes sense. Yeah. So maybe that a little bit, but I think overall the perception would still be the same. I think yeah. people would be underrating Notre Dame a little bit too much. I think that people would still think that there's a little bit of a cap on how good Notre Dame could be. So I don't think it perception wise, it changes the full scope. I think it might just be like, Oh yeah, maybe Sam Hartman's going to ha- be a little bit better than we think just because he has a guy that is, 
a legitimate pass catcher. Sure. So that's just that's the only thing I think of. But yeah, that's fair because you know they would probably come back to you know well Michael Mayer was on the team last year and they still lost yeah. Stanford and Marshall and sure. you know all of those different things and and really what it comes down to is the receiving core, right? I, I've seen too many people be like, well, you see the receiving core he had at Wake Forest. Well, again, it's like, it's the chicken and the egg talk. Like, okay, yeah. is it the receivers that made the quarterback or is it the quarterback that made the receivers, you know? And right. yeah, can can Sam Hartman have a positive effect on the Notre Dame receivers? Yeah, yeah, he can. Yes. So I, I just... I feel like there's a lot of haters out there that are like, well, he doesn't have the receivers that he had at Wake Forest, so he's not going to be right. successful at Notre Dame. It's like, okay, all right, right. sounds good. We'll we'll see August 26. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, and and like I loved At Perry at, at Wake Forest, but it's sure. like the year before At Perry became At Perry, he wasn't At Perry either. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it, there's always a maturation that needs to happen. So, absolutely. Yes. yes. We had a question from Tavis McKay. If it would get pulled up, that'd be great. There we go. Hey, what are IB's thoughts on the destroying video featuring Notre Dame? Do videos like that help recruiting or do they hurt or they do more hurt than good? Basic reference. uh, It was a campus tour with TM and JL. Yep. Tobias Merriweather and Jeremiah Love were in the, in the video. I watched parts of it, Tavis. I haven't watched the whole thing. I think it helps. I think exposure is a good thing when you have something good to expose, right? Okay. I mean, because if if I had a team that was like, you know, I had a bunch of just boring, not great guys, a part of the program or a coach that doesn't present himself very well, why would I want that perspective to be out there? Sure. But I think if Notre Dame, I mean, Vince, how big of a, a buzz is it to have Marcus Freeman as your head coach? I Absolutely. mean, he can go – on Sports Center, he can go throw out a first pitch. He can go on Go, Mor- go Morning Football, and it'd be like, "Yeah, that guy's magnetic. That is going to help recruiting. That's going to help a national perspective as well." And I think giving a glimpse into some of the players, I think, is always a good thing, as long as sure. they're good people. And Notre yep. Dame is has a lot of good people behind. They're riddled with good things. people. Yeah, so, no doubt yes. about that. Yeah, yeah, right. So absolutely, it's not going to hurt the program. I mean, it can only be a positive, in my opinion, unless they're you know, swearing all the time, you know, unless, unless they give a, a negative, you know, profile of themselves, then yeah, there's, it's not negative. You know, I, I do not subscribe to the uh, even negative press is good press. Like I don't subscribe to that. Like this isn't politics, but I do subscribe to if it's positive press, then there's no way that it can hurt. Yep. Is it going to be the I difference think- between a five-star picking Notre Dame and not picking Notre Dame? Right, no, right. it's not. Yeah. But it can't hurt you. Yes. And I think with your Notre Dame, when you have so many good people and you have a magnetic guy as a head coach, giving them as much access to that, I think is a great thing for Notre Dame. Talk about the relevance and the just national kind of feelings about Notre Dame. I think Marcus Freeman and the team that he has assembled is a big selling point. Right. Andy football nerd projecting Chris Tyree's all purpose production. Who will, his impact be more comparable. Curtis Samuel, Chris Rainey, Percy Harvin, DeAnthony Thomas, Dexter McCluster, or other. Oh, it's it's definitely not going to be Dexter McCluster because Dexter McCluster was like a fourteen hundred yard rusher in the SEC. Like yeah, he's not happen. he's not going to run the football that much. I think DeAnthony Thomas is a very interesting one. I could see that. My only hesitation is DeAnthony Thomas is some of the time his biggest impact 
was as a punt returner, like as a return man. And Chris Tyree obviously returns kicks, but he's not a punt returner. He's probably not going right. to be a punt returner at Notre Dame. Percy Harvin's another interesting one, but he's a little bit more gadgety than what I think. What I think. Mm-hmm. What I think he's going to be. Chris Rainey's a little bit of the same way. Curtis Samuel, I think, is the answer that I would go with here because I think Curtis Samuel is a pretty dense build. I can see him being a guy that works in the slots and also you motion around, get some jet sweeps too. I think Curtis Samuel would be my answer, and DeAnthony Thomas would be my second answer offensively. But DeAnthony Thomas is just a little bit different because he's not just an offensive player. Like He's a weapon no matter where you use him. But I would go like Curtis it. Samuel out of that comparison. Good stuff. Love it. Definitely not Dexter McCluster. He was the weirdest player ever, Vince. He was like 5'7", 170 pounds, ready for like 1,400 yards in the SEC at Ole Miss. It was nuts, man. Didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. Next question. Kiko, where do you rank Notre Dame's position groups in relation to the teams on their schedule? That's a whole show right there. Yes. I just I just wanted to bring that up because I'm sure <laughs> Brian will probably be doing something similar to that. Yes. On a week-to-week basis if not something preseason. So Kiko, I saw the question, just wanted to give you kind of the shout out here because we appreciate you being in the show, but that is like a very, very large show. Yeah. That could happen probably for several days. Comparing each position group to 11 other teams and then ranking all of them is not only going to take an entire show, but it's also going to take a bunch of research and prep for said show. So, Oh, you don't I, know everything about every one of these teams yet? Yeah, sure don't. Uh, sure don't. And uh, I, I'm thinking right around the middle of August, I'm going to start breaking down, uh, you know, Navy. So I, I got some time before that hits. That's so funny. All right, we got – this is some type of baseball question. Uh, baseball, huh? Uh, I, I don't know. if I, I think this is a one for Brian because he was asking about the Reds. So I'm going to oh. leave this one out of here for now. Yeah. Let's go. Probably about Ellie De La Cruz and how amazing he is. Cause that's all the yeah. Reds have to talk about. He is very good. He's, he's very, very good. There's he's no a freak, doubt about man. It. <laughs> that's like Anybody would take him on their team. There's no doubt about that. Oh, I saw a tweet the other day that they tried saying that the kid was under overrated or something like that. I'm like, he's a rookie. What are, what are we doing right now? <laughs> like, he can't uh, be too overrated. He's producing on the field. Now, will it last? I don't know, but he's a physical yeah. specimen and he's, he's doing freak, man. a lot of good things for the Reds. So I don't think I don't think there's a lot of kids that I would call necessarily freaks in baseball as far as athletically, sure. but like he is a freak, man. Yeah, like, he qualifies. I see him playing shortstop, third base at like six four, six five. Like it doesn't make any sense. Greg Lisman Jr. Next question. Out of the big three games this season, Ohio State, USC, Clemson, which game do you believe the defense will produce the most turnovers, and also which game the offense will score the most points? I well, think that for me, wh- where do I see the most turnovers being forced? It's usually the most inexperienced quarterback. At the points in the career in the season, Ohio State will have the most inexperienced quarterback. So I'm gonna Fair go enough. Ohio State, Clemson, okay. USC is okay. as far as the most turnovers produced. That's fair. And then I'll take the last part. I think they're gonna score the most points on the weakest defense, and that's still USC, no matter what they did in the transfer portal. So yeah. they're gonna score the mo- I I feel like they're gonna score the most points against USC and uh yeah, that I'm I'm and the fact that it's also a home game as well definitely helps. And so I think they're gonna score the most against. So the order I would guess I would go there would be USC, Ohio State, Clemson. Yeah. 
Well, and, and USC, to your point, Vince, also has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and a very good offense coming back. So you probably have to score the most points Fair against enough. that team as well. So yes. it makes total sense. I, I would not be overly surprised if it was a shootout. I would be disappointed in Notre Dame's defensive effort if that was the case. But I could see a good number. Like whatever the total is for over-under, like going into that week, would not be overly surprised if people took the over and won. Yes, agree. Uh, we had a couple questions about the same thing, Vince. So I'm just going to okay. bring up one at a time here. So from Brandon all Plunster. Up, baby. All right. He says, is there going to be a live show on Sunday? And that question is because Kingston Viliamo Asa, star linebacker out of St. John Bosco, will be picking between Notre Dame, Ohio State, and USC. Brandon, I know you're not going to hear this, but the answer is I'm not sure yet. Okay, so it's not a negative. It's not a negative yet of like, no, there's not going to be a show. It's not a positive yet of, yes, there's going to be a show. This one is going to be down to the wire and very interesting. So the next question had the similar to do with this, Vince. It was from Robert Bishop. Yeah, what percentage would you say that KVA commits to Notre Dame on Sunday? I'm just frankly happy that it's 48 hours away and either direction we can stop talking about it. So uh, this is this has been one of the most fascinating recruitments I've ever it has. Followed, folks. It has been. Because if you've talked to Kingston, he is hyper-focused and he's honest. Very hyper-focused and honest. We know that it has basically come down to Notre Dame and Ohio State. Those are the two teams. USC is yep. kind of out, of out of this conversation now at this point. And he's been very transparent. He told everybody basically when it happened that, like, I'm down to two schools now. I'm down to two. <laughs> So I think right now it is a 50-50 chance. I truly do. And I know there's a lot of people out there, Ohio State's the team, Ohio State's the team. You could convince me that it would be Ohio State, and I would believe you. You could convince me it would be Notre Dame, I would believe you. This is one of those where he is keeping everything very close to the vest. I can say Ohio State people are still very confident. Notre Dame people are still very confident. So this one is truly 50-50, guys. I know we don't want to hear that, but <laughs> that's where this is right now. This, I don't think there's one – like. If he's made his decision, he hasn't made it be known to anyone yet. So that's kind of where we are right now with Kit, with Kingston. And we shall see if there's going to be one on Sunday. Going to be interesting. I, it's going to be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for not a more absolute answer for you. Yeah, all, that's, just where that's, it's, that's just where it's at, man. And and Mike Sullivan says, can I recommend having a show either way? It would be cool to watch live without knowing. Oh, I mean, I'd be very upset if the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> we'll see. That could be the case. I we don't know. We, we don't know. Yeah. Next question is from Tommy Guns. Guns. There we go. Guns. What's uh, oh? He's talking about Logan uh, yeah. Saldate. He says, "What is his 43 cone split times? Other numbers, if you have them." So I don't I don't have those numbers, Tommy, but I can tell you he's a 10 800 meter kid, so a pretty good time. Only his first year of doing track, by the way. 10 8, and then he is also a 24 foot and one half inch long jumper. So I imagine based upon that short area explosiveness from the long jump, short area stuff would be very good. I would guess he's probably in the four five to four five five range in the 40 yard dash. That would be my guess. I don't have a verified time on him in a 40. If he's a four four, he's a four four high guy, in my opinion, like four four eight, four four nine, somewhere in that ballpark. But I would guess he's somewhere four five flat to four five five, somewhere in there, based upon track times. Fair enough. Next question. 
Uh, we just had a comment here, Vince. I can read real quick. Detroit Hunter said this dude has way more juice than Chris Fink. Agree. He definitely yes. has more juice than Chris Fink. Sure. Although Chris Chris Fink, I don't think got the he's got some he underrated credit juice for being yeah for being an athlete. Like, yeah, he was, he was a good athlete. He, he had like a forty inch vert coming out of college, man. Like, yeah, he was a good athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Archer first question of the day. What's up, Archer? All right, the 2021 spring Ohio State wide receiver room had. Uh, had what will end up being at least six first-round draft picks. Yep. Olave, Wilson, Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marv, and Amika. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. What are some of the most loaded rooms that you remember? Man, that's a great question. Archer, I mean, go, go look at the 2001 Miami team at any position, basically. It was just insane. Do you remember that running back room, Vince, that year? They had... They had Willis McGahee, they had Clinton Portis, they had Frank Gore, they had Jared Payton, and they had Najee Davenports. They had five NFL running backs on there, and guys, wow. and three of them were perennial thousand-yard rushers in, in on the NFL level. Like just insane. Wow. Absolutely insane. I would say Notre Dame's offensive line in like 2015, like that was an embarrassment of riches, man. From left tackle all the way over to right tackle. Sure. That was absolutely insane. So this is another. This is a question for Brian. He's 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 got the. Uh, he's pretty good with that the history and that you know and and running because what was the running back room and so I, I don't even know if you're gonna know the answer to this. Yeah, like in the early '90s for Notre Dame, you know, had, uh, where they were moving where they were moving a bunch of running backs to corner. And yeah, stuff, I mean, like thing. Yeah. you had Brooks and you had Bettis, Bettis. and you. I mean, just. Dor- Dorsey, Le- Dorsey Levins was on one of those right? transferred to Georgia Tech because it and was too loaded. Yeah, wasn't Ricky Waters in there? Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm getting my 90s. timeline straight, but I I know that there was a run of really really good running backs at Notre Dame, like in the early yes. '90s. So yes. late probably, '80s, early yeah. '90s, it was crazy, man. Yeah, exactly. There's no doubt. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a couple other ones, Archer, but that yeah, they um. It's pretty good, man. Troy McIntosh, he pulled he pulled it up here. He says uh, Tony Brooks, Dorsey yep. Levins, <laughs> Reggie Brooks, Ricky Waters, and Bettis. That's that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good room. Those are all NFL running backs as well. So yes. uh, that's a pretty good room right there. Yeah. Yes, it's not bad. I've seen worse. I've seen worse. Yeah, in my lifetime. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.
When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.